This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode number 10. We're in the double digits, so take it away. Happy yogurt. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today we're going to talk about men and um, why is that important? Well, men are often portrayed in the media, but also in scientific studies as kind of problematic. It's often talked about how men are underachievers um, in, at university and school, all of that, um, but also how men are more violent and are more likely to be involved in crime like 95% of all crimes are men attacking men, something like that. So it's an important topic and it's also important because it's invariably connected to the topic of women. And lots of men and also other people maybe feel that with women, um, we hear their part or our part of the story quite a lot, whereas we don't maybe pay as much as attention to the men. So it's confusing situation because on the one hand, men are portrayed as being the problem, but on the other hand, we're hardly talking about them. And if we are, we're talking about their negative attributes. So our guest today is going to talk about something called positive masculinity. Little note before we start, the audio quality is maybe not what it is usually, what it usually is. Um, there are some echoes that I couldn't quite get rid of and um, some weird alien static. But apart from that, you know, I hope you still enjoy the interview. Let's bring it up. Today we're going to talk about positive masculinity and I have with me Tim Lomas, who is a lecturer in positive psychology at the University of East London. He's the author of a textbook in applied positive psychology and he completed his PhD um, which explored the impact of meditation on men's well-being, and it was called Masculinity, Meditation, and Well and Mental Health. Uh, welcome, Tim. Well, uh, thank you. Nice to be nice to be here. What is positive masculinity? Well, that's a good question. So, there is actually a, a notion of positive masculinity constructed by a couple of other researchers. I think it's Kazelika and Engelar Carson. Um, and I, I like their approach. I really do appreciate it. Um, but they have a version of positive masculinity, which is essentially valorizing or um, asserting the value of traditional qualities that are traditionally regarded as uh, masculine. So if we conventionally associate masculinity with, say, strength or stoicism, uh, things like that, um, there is a tendency in society for people to see these as being corrosive or damaging in some way to men and to people around them. And so this this version of positive masculinity formulated by these other researchers was trying to you know, shift the tone of the conversation about these qualities and say they can have value. So um, it can be useful to be strength and stoical and so on. Um, and so I, I appreciate that approach, but um, I think I tried to come at it from a slightly different angle. So I wanted to uh, include the prefix critical positive masculinity. So to say that it's not about 
looking at men and masculinity in conventional ways and trying to find value in that. Um, but suggesting that we can get away from these conventional stereotypes of masculinity altogether. So saying that men don't have to conform to what we see as these conventional stereotypes, such as uh, going against strength or stoicism. But actually, gender and gender performances are far more diverse and nuanced and dynamic, so that um, you know, might encourage a diversity of masculine behaviours or performances, whether that's relating to emotional intelligence, emotional sensitivity, um, caring emotions, pro-social emotions and so on. Um, so the idea of critical masculinity was to look at all the ways in which men can challenge conventional masculine stereotypes and learn essentially new ways of being a man, new ways of acting as a man uh, that might be more conducive to well-being. Um, and I mean conducive to well-being in two senses to their own well-being and also the well-being of people around them. Because that's another aspect of this critical approach to gender uh, and to positive masculinity. This idea that it's not sufficient if a, a man is to benefit from the way in which they do gender um, because there might be kind of gender performances enacted by men that might serve them well but might be detrimental to those around them. Particularly if it does involve valorizing things like um, innate aggression or something like that. Um, so the critical perspective is also be about being aware of how essentially gender relations and how men are in relation to women um, and to what people refer to as subordinated groups or marginalized groups of men. Um, so it's looking at essentially men changing their behavior in more adaptive ways. Um, learning new forms of masculinity that can be more conducive to their well-being and people around them. So yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. All right. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about what you found in your studies, um, you know, to give a picture of what this positive masculinity looked like when you talk to actual people? Sure, yeah. Well, so for my PhD, I interviewed uh, 30 male meditators, um, you know, uh, it's a mixed method study, but it included qualitative interviews where I asked their narratives. So I was basically getting their life story, you know, asking how they got into meditation, what preceded that, what the antecedent causes that got them into meditation. And lots of them, not not all by no means, but uh, lots of them had these quite dramatic journeys towards meditation where they did grow up being socialized into quite restrictive forms of behavior based on these masculine stereotypes. So particularly the older gentlemen who were you know, growing up in the 50s and 60s, they were socialized into not being emotionally expressive, um, just trying to be tough, basically physically tough, emotionally tough, not showing their emotions, not getting in touch with their emotions. And then as the men told the, their narrative, they suggested that this kind of emotional disconnection which they've been socialized into, mind you. They didn't say this was some kind of uh, innate emotional style. They they could recall periods before that where they had been more in tune with their emotions, but it had been sort of drummed or forced out of them, if you want. Um, and they'd gone through their teenage years into early adult, adulthood, being quite detached from their emotions, which made them 
really struggle to cope with negative feelings, with feelings of distress, so that it wouldn't be the case that they wouldn't feel negative emotions, wouldn't be in distress, but they just wouldn't know how to deal with it. Um, and they might respond to it in quite destructive ways, which fits in with a lot of the research in this area. They might respond to it by trying to blunt their emotions through alcohol or the word is externalizing through something like aggression, acting out violently, or maybe suicide attempts, or just being reckless and getting into trouble because they didn't have the tools and the strategies to deal with these emotional states, these feelings of distress. Uh, and then for a lot of them, these kind of maladaptive ways of responding to these you know, distress, the negative emotions they were feeling, built up and built up, and then for, for around half the group actually, culminated in some kind of crisis, whether it's an emotional breakdown or some dramatic event like getting arrested or getting into, you know, having a blow up at work and fighting with people, um, made them realize that they had to try to do something to kind of change the way they were and the way they were dealing with things. Um, and it's this, those kind of events precipitate them trying meditation. Um, and then this is where the kind of story took a nice upward turn. So this was a turning point and then through engaging with the practice of meditation, which one way of looking at that is just a means of systematic introspecting, developing your attention and awareness, looking inside and checking in with how you're feeling. And so through the practice of learning meditation, became essentially reacquainted with their emotions, reconnected with them. Um, so more emotionally aware but then getting greater levels of emotional understanding and management so the meditation was just a great technique for them to unlearn the bad habits they got into emotionally speaking um, yeah, and learn develop skills of engaging with their emotions and then got to develop a quite you know high level range of skills around working with their emotions so it was it's a really nice and demonstration of the fluidity uh, and the malleability of well emotional style specifically but just gender performances more generally so it was not the case that just were men so they were emotionally tough with you know, uh, poor emotional management skills but they could learn different behaviors so it really nicely demonstrated the capacity of people to change take on more adaptive behaviors so the direction they were moving in is essentially in the direction of positive masculinity but it's critical because they weren't just um, taking conventional traits and learning to appreciate them but actually taking on and learning new ways of being so that's the research in a nutshell right nice so i was wondering meditation seems to be a lot about calming down or as you said unlearning um some of the more traditional male attributes um, Tim, do you think there's a safe space where men can express maybe these more testosterone-driven behaviors in a constructive way, or is it really about kind of getting rid of it? Do you mean a safe space to express which kind of emotions? You know, this, this strengths, um, you know, the strengths and maybe um, more aggressive ways. And, you know, is there a way in modern society where that is, you know, maybe good and appreciated, or is it really about toning all of it down. Uh, I mean, 
I would say there's definitely ways that these can be channeled in positive, in positive ways. But what comes immediate to, immediately to mind is something like martial arts, um, perhaps, or yoga, that things that do channel strength, but in a very kind of positive and controlled way. So I'm not sure that strength per se is the bad thing, but um, just the ability to be in control of it rather than at the mercy of one's kind of innate drive. So I think there are spaces, but they're, they're limited and um, few and far between. I think generally the public space isn't very welcoming these days to these kind of traditional behaviours. Not to say the men don't do them, but I think public you know, discourse is turning against these traditional behaviours. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, how can men support other men? who try to achieve a more positive masculinity? Well, the thing I found with the research was the importance of the community around the meditation practice. So often people are you know, clustered together in meditation centers or in Buddhist centers, and people found that greatly helpful because you know, in these local settings, there was a very kind of supportive culture that helped people to perhaps change in ways they wanted to change and they felt they were listened to and supported and encouraged. Um, and then unfortunately, they often didn't receive that same level of support and encouragement outside the meditation center. And in fact, that could create a bit of a, a divide, a split between different aspects of life. So people could feel a bit divided and did struggle sometimes to manage that in the sense that outside of these centers, they were expected to act in one way, often still conforming to these conventional norms. So, for example, within the centre, it was not only tolerated, but it was encouraged that they would be emotionally expressive and caring for one another. Um, and they'd go outside the centre and look for their jobs, just walking down the street, and then they couldn't, they didn't feel comfortable or safe enacting those same behaviours. So they had to learn to regulate their behaviours depending on a particular local setting. So it does go to show the way in which gender is strongly shaped by these by the context in which it's performed. Um, so I think the, the creation of safe spaces where men can pursue other ways of being is, is really important. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's that's for what, what we can all do. Also the women, we can make sure that the men in our lives have a space where they can, where they can try out these more, you know, positive behaviors for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, so for example, again, in the meditation team, these were often mixed sex too. So there was women there. Um, and the women had really helped to foster this positive environment too for men. Because I think men often had the misguided, before entering these meditation groups, they often had the misguided uh, sense that they had to act in a particular way, perhaps to impress women. Perhaps they, had, they felt they needed to be seen as strong. And then it was, it was helpful for the women to say that they men didn't have to conform to these stereotypes um, but were appreciated for who they were, were so I think men and women both play a strong role in creating these spaces yeah okay yeah thank you Tim it's um I, I could talk with you for a lot longer about these things but um this is the time we have so thank you very much and thank you. I appreciate you asking me these questions it's been, it's been nice to talk to you about it okay nice thank you bye Tim okay take care bye 
This was very short, and um, if you're like me, you might have a lot of other questions, and I actually had other questions prepared, and even a friend of mine had questions prepared, but um, this is all the time we had. So if you have questions in your head, that's good. And I, what I really hope is what this episode achieves is that we can get away from that highly emotionally charged um debate you know men versus women and you know what did the feminists do to bring all this on and and vice versa you know like oh women are still not earning enough and and all of these things you know may or may not be true or are true definitely in some countries or in some places or maybe even everywhere i mean it depends what stats you're looking at but what i'm hoping that this episode can do is actually not fire you up the way that regular news articles about this topic do. What I hope that this episode can achieve is actually that we start thinking about how how we can work together, you know, men and women, and and how we can look at these differences and look at these things which might be troubling and, you know, really disentangle what what part of this you know maybe more aggressive and testosterone driven behavior what part of this is really you know the man in my life like is that him is that his nature was it was he raised to be like that and and you know maybe that's not his true nature you know and and maybe we as women also have to do some things like you know not maybe being impressed by you know dumb displays and stuff like that and if you know if you know maybe there is more aggression and all of that how can we how can we acknowledge that and kind of find channels like tim mentioned martial arts but there are many more channels and maybe in some instances um a little bit you know this uh, more i don't know aggressive or whatever else you know is associated with traditional male behavior maybe in some instances is good you know if if someone is threatening your family i for my part it would be very happy to have someone actually stand up for me and make sure that i'm protected however how can we do that and that's what i hope this episode can do to really think about you know how how we can create an environment for both men and women because even when we're advocating the women's rights, it's it's not just for the woman. It's not just for the woman's benefit if maybe the father gets to spend more time with his child because that's valuable for the child as well and it's valuable for for the husband, you know. So that's what I really hope this episode can do and I know that not even remotely all questions were answered and yeah, I just hope I got, you know, this got you thinking. I hope that Tim's work maybe um, introduced some concepts you've never heard about and allows you to think about it in ways that you usually don't do when you just read articles or, you know, books like Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So, next week, we're going to talk about play. And... um why that's actually a surprisingly serious subject. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. 
We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.